pass in front. Tavares couldn't center it. There's the horn that ends the game. So the Canadians end a streak. The Leafs have a streak ended for them. And Jack Campbell will uh, have to be content with a record of wins to start a season, even though it is April. All the streaks had to end eventually, right? Leafs fall 4-2 to Montreal on deadline day. Now 4-2-0 on the season against the Habs. Lots to get into. This is Leafs Nation postgame in beautiful podcast form. Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic with you at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic on Twitter. Thanks to Sam McKee, of course, for putting it all together. Win streak Gord over at 6. Road win streak over at 5. Point streak over at 10. And, of course, Jack Campbell's personal win streak done at 11 games. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to a whole lot of Toronto, Montreal, regular season hockey, looking forward to a playoff series for the first time since 1979. But yeah, you know, it's, it's funny every now and then you have, you have a clunker, but still if tonight's a clumper clunker, look how competitive they were. And that's, what's different about this team felt bad for Jack Campbell. Cause I thought, you know, late in the game, he made some phenomenal saves to try to keep that streak going, but uh, all these kind of streaks come to an end. I think the big one, Nick, on the team concept, uh, they learned before about having one really deep valley that they've got to avoid this time. They've got to have uh, keep the peaks going uh, a little more like they have so far. Now, my theory for the slow start was they were mourning the loss of Alex Barabanov, who's now a San Jose Shark. Do you agree? <laughs> I you know hadn't thought of that, Nick. I had not thought of that. Uh, it's it's gaining traction, and uh, now I'll throw the traction out. It's uh, it's uh, an interesting and active day for them. Of course, uh, none of the guys um, factored into tonight's game. Two of them won't get in. They'll have to quarantine, and we'll find out if David Riddick. Uh, gets the start tomorrow night, but uh, yeah, I don't know if all the drama of the uh, of the trade deadline day is what got to them. But you know, give Montreal Canadiens credit early on, and also it was a very uncharacteristically sloppy Leaf team early on. You're right, and I'll always remember April 12th, uh, 2021, from a Leafs perspective uh, for two things. Of course, the day Anti Suomela became a Toronto Maple Leaf, and also right. the night the night Pierre Engvall was bench scored. Yeah, you know. It's funny, Sheldon Keefe has been hard on him at different times. And they they have they go back and we're together with the Toronto Marlies at times. And you know, it's not a good time to be getting getting benched. We saw Nick Robertson try to show us stuff because you got a whole bunch of you got a bunch of new guys coming. Well, you got one big one, you know, coming in Nick Felino. Uh I I don't know where Riley Nash, you know, I'm I think people are a little bit more optimistic about Riley Nash. He's out for a while, but but yeah, he decided that early on he didn't like what he saw. He went with the big guns for a while. The big guns uh, were successful in tying the game up. And then very quickly, Josh Anderson gets that goal to give Montreal the lead. And, you know, it's funny with Columbus, Nick, today turning in the last week to be sellers. And Yarmo Kekalainen is a seller procuring two first-round picks in trades, one of them from the Toronto Maple Leafs and one from the Tampa Bay Lightning. All that's gone on there, quietly in many ways, Josh Anderson, the fact he wanted out of town, was kind of a precursor, wasn't it, to Pierre-Luc Dubois and other things. So it, it, it kind of started with whatever last year. I don't know if he was unhappy that he played hurt through his shoulder issues or whatever it was, but it was understood he wasn't going to be long for the world. And that ended up being a good trade for the Montreal Canadiens. And the Burlington boy now has four game or four goals, I should say, in six games so far against this hometown Toronto Maple Leafs score. Do you want to hear something good? Yes. Ice time. Tonight, I just talked about Engvall, 6.34, Nick Robertson, 8.11, 
Alex Galchenyuk, fifteen twenty-four. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, uh, well, Alex Galchenyuk has uh, really showed the coach um, his value. Uh, the coach has obviously taken a liking to him. Uh, I, I know that Kyle Dubas had said that because of Galchenyuk's play, it 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 made it altered their way of thinking. I don't know if that means you don't go for Taylor Hall. I really don't know what that means, but altered their way of thinking around the trade deadline. Uh, I think you know Nick Foligno was the the PS de resistance anyway, but. He's uh, he had, you know, he had one or two really good chances tonight as well, but fitting in well and no Nylander. Um, I don't imagine Nylander will be back tomorrow, but it's giving some guys an opportunity to play and some guys an opportunity to move up a line. Yeah, and let's be quite frank about it. Not to make excuses, Gord, but this game, in my opinion, just had no bearing on this season or the standings. I think the more desperate team won this game. Montreal had been struggling coming off a beatdown against Winnipeg on Saturday. The Maple Leafs, we, we know where they're at. I think they have to be one of the favorites coming out of this trade deadline, which we'll get to. But certainly, if they had to clean up one thing, aside from Jack Campbell trying to figure out how to play the puck, I don't know how many blunders he has to make this season, but it's got to be the power play, Gord. They, it just oh awful again tonight. One for the last 36, the Maple Leafs power play. Oh, and it's, boy, it's, it's, it's not even just that. It's just... Uh, all the different elements that are part of the play, you know, whether you call it, you know, zone entry with everything else starting from that way, um, it's it's just not happening. And, and uh, you know, it was talked about, commented by the radio guys quite a bit about, um, yeah, some really mental mental breakdowns, like, you know, me- mental and mental breakdowns early in the game with the puck handling. And you mentioned one was Jack Campbell at the end of the game, Campbell leaving the net when the Leafs did not have possession, so a relatively easy empty nickel for the Montreal Canadiens. But, Nick, man, the power play I just thought was fraught with not really, really smart play by the Toronto Maple Leafs. It just makes no sense, again, given how great they were in the first month and a half. And I'll tell you right now, you can add every player ever at the deadline. You can't score a power play goal when it matters most, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, where I'm telling you right now it's going to be 2-1 hockey games. I think you're dead to rights. But again, there's a lot of time to write this ship from that perspective when it comes to the Maple Leafs, and they have the hired guns to get that job done. Among them, Austin Matthews scored 32 goals now on the season, 11 in the, in, in the last nine, seven of the last 15 overall for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I had somebody ask me on Twitter where the depth scoring is, and I joked that it's in quarantine because they picked about 17 guys up via trade the last couple of days. Uh, but you look at Matthews, where are you in the conversation of the Hart Trophy? Because for me, Gord, and I know Connor McDavid's been incredible. I know Nathan McKinnon's been great. But the more Matthews creates cushion and distance between number two in terms of goal scoring right now, nine ahead, you start to wonder if he's starting to close the gap a bit on maybe McDavid and McKinnon because of how dominant this season truly has been from a Rock or Richard point of view. Uh, Nick, I couldn't agree with you more. I know it's something Bruce Boudreau was big on about that. And you add that caveat with the Hart Trophy is a player a judge most valuable to his team, which makes a different, um, a different little uh, caveat on it compared to um, voting for the Ted Lindsay Award. And I, I'm, I'm really big on Nathan McKinnon. I thought he deserved it last year. And that's not a slight against Connor McDavid at all. I think in some ways when you have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid on the same team, uh, they they kind of wiped themselves off, but uh, as far as consideration goes, and that's probably unfair of me to say that. But I'm 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 with you about hey the Leafs are in first place, 
Austin Matthews then, you know, coming back from an injury and once again taking a big lead. Like it was it was close last year for the Rocket Richard trophy between him and Ovechkin and Pasternak. And he let it became close again during this recent period when he was not a hundred percent. But boy, he's just taking it to a whole different level. And he's the guy he's the guy that got him out of their funk. And he's the guy that got the scoring going and got them back on that winning streak after they were having a, a little bit scary losing streak for a while. You're right, because there is that community that says, hey, uh, Connor McDavid, you know, the weight's different because he's just dominating everybody and lapping the field. But I think you can have the same conversation for Austin Matthews that nobody's even in the vicinity goal scoring wise. Like he's going to walk to a rock or a shard at this point in time, you know, permitted, of course, uh, Alex Ovechkin, uh, a role we've seen him do before and go on uh, doesn't happen. But you think Matthews, in my opinion, has this locked up already and I think deserves more credit for being in the heart conversation and. Uh, maybe, you know, people are victim of giving it out way too early, but he's just been such a tremendous story. Um, you know, I think in general coming out of this game and it goes along the lines of 15-24 for Alex Galchenyuk. Again, I, I didn't think that line was too bad in this game. The first period is a snoozer overall, but I, I certainly think, and, and, you know, Kyle Dubas uh, reiterated the point earlier today that certainly Galchenyuk's play the last little while has changed their focus a bit and did change their focus a bit going into the deadline. But uh, that's been a really, really good story. But again, the key here is the power play for me, Gord, and getting this team peaking at the right time going forward. Yeah, I mean, let's break down the other stories. That's a really good story, Galchenyuk. A fabulous story about Jack Kemble. You know, great how TJ Brody, really nice story how TJ Brody, after having no success signing unrestricted free agent defensemen year after year after year uh, has really blended in so well. Uh, you look at Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons, uh, it doesn't have the same bite it did initially in the season, but they were great add-ons and, and having them for uh, many roles and, and some depth in the playoffs, other pluses that way. So yeah, pluses, pluses, pluses everywhere. The fact they're in first place, the fact they've been banking points, but you know, we've talked about Nashville years ago, made it to the Stanley Cup final, and they far and away in the regular season had the worst power play. Now, they it obviously was much better in the playoffs, but it was kind of baffling, and they went through 82 games like this. This Leaf team led the and it led the NHL in power play very early on, and right now it's, a, it's like an under 2% in their last 37 opportunities. I mean, uh, I, I don't know when. I don't know when. I've seen that a, a kind of drought like that, even when they were a terrible, whatever was a terrible team. But wow, when they're one of the elite teams and all those guns, it is baffling. Yeah, maybe it's quite strong, but I just don't know if there's a word to describe how bad this power play is right now. Like the numbers are scary. One for the last 36, 0 for 2 in this game. And, you know, the important thing uh, on top of that is the likelihood, very high probability uh, it's going to be Toronto Montreal in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which number one is phenomenal. But number two, Montreal will continue to get looks at this Maple Leafs power play before it starts for real. Um, just in general, what are your thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens being that potential first round opponent? Because I'll, I'll for one, just say it. I, I think it's a scary opponent for the Maple Leafs because there's so many guys on that roster who have been there before. And I think Montreal is well equip, uh, equipped for a team to play in a playoff type environment. Granted, Gord, it's a lot different this year, but I, I, I like their composition to play two one hockey games, which I think Toronto better get used to between now and the uh, the start of the playoffs. Yeah, and I'll, it's a word I don't use often, but I'll say the power play is putrid. I mean, it really is like right that. now, and that's got to get back. Yeah, thank you. It's got to get back in gear for the playoffs. You know, you put Dano against Matthews. I'm not saying he's going to be able to neutralize Matthews, but he's a very 
very effective and uh, defensive player, and they and they they come into a more light and more importance during the playoffs. You think of Bobby Holik all those years ago as a, a number three center for the New Jersey Devils. So uh, the Canadians showed it last year. You get Carey Price on his game. They've really got a very strong defense that way. And that's why John Tavares getting one of the goals tonight. I mean, you know, he's the kind of guy that could end up really having to be a difference maker because that's where Montreal can't match the Leafs, the depth forwards. Winnipeg's the only team in the Canadian division that can come close to matching the Leafs as far as depth in the forward ranks. That's what's going to have to come through for the for the uh, Maple Leafs. Montreal, they experienced, they, they played an excellent, excellent playoff in the bubble when it was least expected. And bottom line, your star players, you pay them that money for a reason, and they have to relish that opportunity and that ability and that chance to go after it here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And again, that'll be the conversation to be had. We can speculate all we want how this team's going to perform. We like the team on paper, but it's time to go out there and prove it. And again, it's very likely at this point in time, it's going to be Toronto and Montreal, which I can't wait for in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Last one in this game, and we'll get to the deadline to wrap up here, Gord. Your thoughts on load management and certainly depth has uh, you know been added in the last little while. I joked about Suomela, but he's certainly a guy who's going to be vying for you know positioning or a spot or a couple looks here and there. Stefan Nason comes over in the you know the San Jose type deal um, as as a facilitator. I think there's going to be some depth guys, and I think benching Pierre Engvall proved that they're open to whoever in that bottom six. But uh, I'm not here to have that conversation about Joe Thornton, uh, but I am here to have the conversation about resting Joe Thornton leading up to the playoffs. How do you feel about it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a veteran player may argue about load management. It's not an 82-game season. It's a 56-game season. But you look what's going on. They'll be playing again tomorrow, and it's a lot of games coming at you in a short period of time. So I, I, I think it's a two-fold thing about keeping guys fresh, as much mentally fresh uh, for the playoffs, and also giving others some opportunities to find out. So because, you know, like we said many times, there was no depth scoring last year during the regular season and worse, none during the five games in the bubble. So Sheldon Keefe isn't going to screw around and uh, and uh, feel bad about hurting anyone's feelings. Uh, they're going to need that. And so he wants to try the, all the different tools he has. Not sure if you saw my tweet. I wrote that praying vol is to Sheldon Keefe what Jason Spezza was to Mike Babcock. Do you agree? <laughs> I I think uh, I'll I'll give I I agree uh, in in I agree in the context, but also what's this a little bit? It's a little bit more traditional. You're talking about a journeyman player that never quite got established. So you got a head coach that really wants to keep him on his toes because it's a fine line versus you know somebody who accomplished so much and was just and I know I know you agree, but disrespected uh, unnecessary unnecessary slow so at the start of things. So. I think there's a little difference at that point. And Engel has a longer neck. Yes, no, that that's a fact right there. And we love internal competition, by the way. I love the fact that they really didn't subtract from this roster. You could argue maybe there's too much change. We'll see if chemistry does play a factor. But the fact that they didn't really take anybody out of this lineup, I think is really, really good news. They didn't um, you know, get rid of any prospects. I think that's excellent news. But you look at this deadline. And it seems to be the semblance around town, and understandably so. People are pumped. They're feeling positive. And you have to like the Nick Foligno pickup, right? Yeah, and, you know, when you first of all, when you talk about um, the competition, and because of a couple of claims by the Vancouver Canucks that, that you know, their their depth went down a little bit. And I, I think, you know, you, you, we've, we've moved on from Jimmy Vc Nick. That was uh, one of the guys. He was put on the second line initially, and that was one. 
that just didn't happen there. So good on them. They've done things to to better that position, but also in Nick Foligno's case, uh, they've done something flat on it. Better yourself for the playoffs. I mean, this is it, you know, we 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 talked about it. I enjoyed doing the two hour show with you, uh, Hockey Central today. Probably the best place to be on that everybody else waiting around when nothing's happened. We got to talk good old fashioned hockey, but you know, Taylor Hall. You know, to go down to be a second round pick for being a Hart Trophy winner three years ago, but that's because he's he's really a shell, a shadow of what he was. He can get it all back, but that's what he is. But Nick Felino, he garnered a first round pick because Nick Felino is what he was three years ago, one year ago, two years ago. You know what you're getting. And Gord, with that in mind, certainly uh, we'll talk about goaltending momentarily. Speaking of Jack Campbell, so the 11 and 0 record is finito, and the quotes coming out of the post game are hilarious. And again. These guys are pro athletes, but Campbell saying, I'm embarrassed by my effort, to be honest. I cost us the game. If there's one guy we can cut some slack to, it's probably uh, Jack Campbell, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't think uh, he cost them the game, but good on him. I mean, Montreal uh, took advantage early, and, and uh, he was responsible for one particularly errant play, but he wasn't alone that way. And again, like we talk about, not a good read when he was leaving uh, the goal for the extra attacker, but hey, I love guys being accountable. I always thought about that when Austin Matthews' first ever game, he scored the four goals against Ottawa, but he pointed out that the overtime, it was his check that scored the overtime goal. So, uh, yeah, Jack Campbell, you're about the last guy who needs to say anything, but uh, but uh, good on you for taking the bull by the horn. Yeah, let's not uh, lose any sleep over this uh, 4-2 loss to the Montreal Canadiens. So David Riddick comes in, which means, again, Michael Hutchinson slots into the three-hole, and if Freddie Anderson comes back, the four-hole we get that. It was our expectation. It happened. I like the pickup, and the pre-scout was certainly there. David Riddick has been excellent against the Maple Leafs this season. And on that note, uh, coming up tomorrow night, the back-to-back, the Maple Leafs, home to who else? Well, there's only six other opponents to choose from, but it's the Calgary Flames. Do you think they should start David Riddick in that game, Gord? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, even though Calgary traded Sam Bennett as well, I mean, you still got to be playing like you believe you can make the playoffs, even though when you uh, they had a big win on Saturday over Edmonton. But uh, it's been hard to believe that's the case. But uh, Montreal winning tonight. Montreal has to like that. That's disappointing for Calgary because that's the team they're really chasing. So they still have some, you know, hunt in the game. But I, I, I like playing against your old team. You remember years ago, and, you know, it really was his undoing when Curtis Joseph did not want to play against the Maple Leafs for the Detroit Red Wings. You remember yes. that? It was just weird. Yeah. He was pissed at Pat Quinn and whatever <laughs> it may be. And, you know, Cujo now is uh, is an ambassador with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's back where he belongs. But, you know, he acknowledged about the whole way he left wasn't the way it should have been. But also, man, he, when he didn't play that game, it kind of got him in the outs with Detroit Red Wing fans, and he never got back in there. So um, not that fans know exactly the workings of both Sheldon Keith's plan for tomorrow night, but uh, I, I would put him in. I would absolutely put him in. Yeah, same here. Uh, I don't care if it's his former team. You're employing this guy to stop the puck and play hockey games, and that's exactly what I would do uh, coming up tomorrow night. Uh, let's get the virtual schooling out of the way again. I don't think I, we're going to have a pr- profound grade until the Stanley Cup playoffs, but how would you grade the body of work uh, the last week, we'll put it, uh, for Kyle Dubas in, in you know rectifying a couple situations, uh, of course, adding Ben Hutton on the back end. They made some nice moves, didn't they? Yeah, well, I found out nowadays they mark very easy in school, so it's tough doing a grade, <laughs> Nick. They don't mark quite like they did in your and my day. But anyway, <laughs> I would give the highest of marks uh, to Kyle Dubas. Uh, they uh, showed a picture of him there with Brendan Shanahan and, of course, Brandon Pridham 
who is the uh, assistant GM. He's been that guy for a while, and he's he's great, considered one of the best or, or without peer as far as managing the cap because they had to do a whole lot of that. But he addressed all the needs. We talked about all the needs, uh, an impact up front. So that was the biggest splash, some depth in goal and some depth on D, and he addressed those two particular needs. So the thing is you're adding a little bit of a spice, a bigger spice up front with Nick Foligno, you know, rather than uh, the old style um, – kind of going for a home run trade to shake things up and someone to turn things around because you're not going in the right direction. This is a Maple Leaf team that I don't know the last time they've been going in this kind of positive direction at a trade deadline. And certainly I think, you know, the the sexy name, if you will, out there was Taylor Hall. I'm completely behind the fact that they didn't go with that. They went with, uh, you know, Nick Foligno. And I love the analogy of Swiss Army Knife because I do think Nick Foligno can play a variety of more different roles than you would see Taylor Hall, who's just pretty much a goal scorer, a points guy. I get it. He's won the Hart Trophy in recent memory. But having the ability of bringing in a captain from the Columbus Blue Jackets, a guy who can kill penalties, he can play that heavy brand in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's beat you in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the bubble, captaining again the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think is a very underrated quality in terms of the versatility that Nick Foligno can bring to this roster, Gord. Now, do you have a Swiss Army knife, Nick? Do people have them anymore? I don't think so. Like, it's one of those, like, no. hey, don't look now. You know what I brought last week to the table? Like, don't look now, but <laughs> yeah. everybody looks. Uh, people don't don't keep it. Don't keep score at home. One of those two. <laughs> it used to be a cool thing. Someone would have that, and you kind of go, "Wow, that's kind of could deep. do everything." It's, uh, well, it could. It, you're absolutely right. It could do everything, and uh, every team needs that kind of player that that could do everything. I'm trying to think who it would be on the. Toronto Maple Police. I mean, Nick Foligno really might move to the top of that. Just exactly Hyman. that guy. Zach Hyman. You're absolutely right. There you go. Perfect. Mr. Zach Sokolov. Hyman. So he's he's got representation for his Swiss Army knife. I'm not sure if uh, <laughs> Nick Foligno is going to uh, procure the legal services of Sokolov. But uh, yes, there we go. And of course, you know, Zach Hyman, that, that you know, goal by Tavares, he's, he's uh, like, I think he just got out of Zamboni one summer and just started driving a straight to the nets or something and decided, <laughs> you know, decided that's how I'm going to play and stepped off the Zamboni and just goes more so than other years. Each year, more and more that way, like like a running back in the National Football League or something. And and tonight, once again, it worked. Yeah, I think parents out there, if you want to model your kid's game after somebody, it has to be Zach Hyman, just uh, the model of efficiency for sure. And just he brings it game in and game out. And every line he play on plays on seems to be better. If, if you're Sheldon Keefe, I mean, is Hyman that guy who's on your third line or you put him on your top line, Gordo? I put him on my top line. But, yeah. but, I, but I also keep that flexibility because when you start getting line matchups and things like that, and that's where, you know, you could spot uh, Joe Thornton, you could spot a Wayne Simmons on the top two lines along the way. You know, you got to fit whatever that need may be. So uh, it, I would have him on the top line. But when I say when I move him around, it's more the positive because he, what's, what he brings to other lines and you want to get depth and you want to get balance in the playoffs. All right, Gordo, a job well done tonight, and we'll reconvene in the back-to-back. Hopefully, we'll receive some David Riddick revenge, although no video tribute because the game's in Toronto tomorrow night. Yeah, it gives him a few more uh, days to put it all together when he goes back to Calgary. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you know, the, the Leafs lost. They're, they're down 2 nothing, and uh, and then when it was 2-2, you said, wow, I, I, you'd have to be happy about that considering how they played. So, uh, in a night that wasn't a great one, there's still positives to glean from it, and that's what's a big difference, and that's what's what's great, so great so far this season about this Toronto Maple Leaf team.
I would say the excitement coming out of the deadline in Leafs Nation overrides anything that happens happened in this game, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. Alan Walsh, the agent who complains about everything, uh, <laughs> but he he, does, he mentioned that. Why is there a game night? Uh, why are there games when there's the trade deadline? I think this year you, you need them because you don't have enough dates. But he, he just believes that it's, it's, it's too much of an emotional undertaking, even if there's not significant moves, that it's just best let the guys go home, have it an off night, and start fresh tomorrow. That's Gord Stelic. Many thanks to Sam McKee at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic. Uh, where you can find us on Twitter, the Maple Leafs lose it 4-2 against the Montreal Canadiens.